tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and this is the Sober Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and if you're new here, I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. If that sounds interesting, please subscribe. Today, I'm going to revisit alcohol and anxiety. I'll explain why alcohol causes anxiety and what exactly is going on in the brain. 
You learn how our brains adjust to alcohol in ways that lead to even more anxiety and how this impacts people who are trying to get sober. I have a few interesting studies to discuss that connect this topic with genetics and epigenetics. So let's dig in. It's estimated that one in five people who suffer from anxiety use alcohol to cope with their symptoms. In fact, people who have anxiety are three times more likely to struggle with alcohol abuse at some point in their lives compared to someone who does not have anxiety. The relationship between anxiety and alcohol abuse also seems to be stronger in women than it is in men. The problem with using alcohol to cope with anxiety is that it doesn't just create a cycle, it creates a downward spiral. Alcohol seems to make the problem better, but as you're about to learn, it actually makes the problem worse. Additionally, the longer you use alcohol to cope with your anxiety, the worse your anxiety will become and you'll require more and more alcohol to feel normal. The proper functioning and homeostasis of our central nervous system is maintained by two opposite forces balancing each other out. These two neurotransmitters are glutamate and GABA. Glutamate is our main excitatory neurotransmitter and GABA is our main inhibitory transmitter. When the balance is thrown off, it leads to various psychiatric disorders, one of which is anxiety. Anxiety is an emotional state characterized by feelings of worry and apprehension. It's a normal defense mechanism that raises awareness and responsiveness to deal with new situations. When it's excessively severe, frequent, or appears in inappropriate contexts, it can interfere with our quality of life. GABA is the main inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain, and it's responsible for decreasing activity in the nervous system. Neurons are constantly communicating with each other and exciting each other, and overstimulation can lead to things like epilepsy. This is one reason GAB is really important. We've talked a bit about receptors in previous episodes. If you remember, a receptor is where something, like a neurotransmitter, will bind. There are GABA receptors on the outside of our neurons. GABA will bind there and relay information to the neuron to decrease its activity. When glutamate binds to its own receptors, it activates the neuron. The calming effect that you feel when you drink is alcohol stimulating your GABA receptors and inhibiting neuronal activity. Alcohol can bind to GABA receptors very well, and many of us who experience stress or anxiety quickly learn that when you drink, those feelings go away. This is why people with anxiety are more at risk for abusing alcohol than people without anxiety. There's a problem now. The brain is very adaptable and always wants to maintain a balance between GABA and glutamate. When there's a constant supply of alcohol, that means the balance has tipped towards GABA. The brain will do two things to restore the balance. It reduces the amount of GABA receptors on the outside of neurons, and it increases the amount of glutamate in the brain. With less GABA receptors, it's harder for GABA and alcohol to bind and calm us down. And with more glutamate, the brain is more excitable and stimulated. Both of these come together to cause that middle-of-the-night panic you likely feel after a night of heavy drinking. 
If the drinker already struggles with anxiety, this makes their problem even worse. In addition, if you listen to episode 17, Alcohol in the Heart, you learned why alcohol makes our heart race, another thing that can increase anxiety. The brain has adjusted based on the expectation that alcohol is always going to be hanging around. It's learned from our long-term, consistent, heavy drinking that alcohol is now a normal thing. When a drinker realizes that alcohol only brings misery to their life and tries to quit, these adjustments make it incredibly difficult. If there's no alcohol present, then less GABA receptors means less GABA is binding, so it's hard for us to naturally calm ourselves. The brain also increased the amount of glutamate to restore the glutamate-GABA balance. So now with less GABA and no alcohol, the balance tips towards glutamate and you are overstimulated. Alcohol withdrawal often results in high levels of anxiety, especially for people who already suffer from anxiety. This is one of the most common reasons a person will return to drinking, because their anxiety is too much and they know that drinking will relieve it. Alcohol restores that balance and makes us feel normal again. But with continued abstinence, the brain will adjust back to its normal state, so you're not doomed to be off balance and overstimulated forever. It will recognize that there's too much glutamate and work to reverse GABA adaptation to restore its original balance. This takes time, and the best thing a person with anxiety can do is not drink. If you're concerned that you're suffering from too much anxiety, please see a doctor. Drinking only makes the problem worse and reinforces the balance tipping in glutamate's favor. A 2012 study from the University of North Carolina School of Medicine found that heavy drinking rewires the brain in a way that makes it harder to psychologically recover after a traumatic experience. In the study, researchers gave one group of mice doses of alcohol that were equivalent to twice the legal driving limit in humans. The other group of mice did not have any alcohol. Using mild electric shocks, they trained all the mice to fear the sound of a brief tone. What's interesting is that when the tone was repeatedly played without the electric shock, the alcohol-free mice learned to stop fearing it. However, the mice that chronically consumed alcohol maintained their fear of the tone long after the electric shocks had stopped. The researchers then took a look at the brains of these mice to see if there were any differences between the two groups. The drinkers had neurons in the prefrontal cortex that had a different shape. Remember, the prefrontal cortex is involved in personality expression, decision-making, and how we respond to social situations. Having an altered shape could disrupt the function of these neurons. Another way the brains of the mice who drank alcohol were different is the NMDA receptor was suppressed. So this is the receptor for glutamate, our main excitatory neurotransmitter. NMDA receptors are critical for the development of the central nervous system, breathing, movement, and the processes that govern learning, memory, and neuroplasticity. As a reminder, neuroplasticity is the ability for our brains to adapt to our current situation. 
When the NMDA receptors are altered, either in their function or how many receptors are available, it leads to a lot of different disorders. When these receptors are less functional, it leads to cognitive defects, and when they are overstimulated, it leads to toxicity and neurodegeneration. NMDA receptors are therapeutic targets for many different central nervous system disorders, including stroke, Huntington's disease, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, neuropathy, alcohol addiction, schizophrenia, and some mood disorders. So far, drugs targeting these receptors have had poor efficacy and very negative side effects, including hallucinations and memory issues. So this study has identified very specific brain circuits that are negatively affected by alcohol, which can be useful in developing treatments in the future. A 2008 study from the University of Illinois at Chicago School of Medicine has identified targets that can be used to develop drugs to treat withdrawal-induced anxiety and eliminate a major motivator for people to continue drinking. The lead author of the study, who is a professor of psychiatry and director of neuroscience alcoholism research, said, The association of anxiety with increased alcohol use is a key factor in the initiation and maintenance of alcohol addiction. So it's been well established that people who have anxiety have a higher risk of abusing alcohol, and like I said earlier, withdrawal is often associated with extreme anxiety. The amygdala is an area of the brain that controls our emotions, anxiety, and fear. The researchers from this study found a protein within the neurons in the amygdala that controlled the development of alcohol withdrawal symptoms in lab animals. This protein changed the shape of the neurons, same problem as the study we talked about before, and changing their shape affects the way the neurons communicate with other neurons. This can lead to changes in behavior. If you remember what a neuron looks like, it has long branches at the end that send signals to nearby neurons. These branches are called dendritic spines. What these researchers found was that short-term drinking increase the number of dendritic spines in certain areas of the amygdala, which cause anti-anxiety effects. If a neuron has more dendritic spines, then this could increase its ability to send signals to other neurons. And remember, these signals are sent in the form of neurotransmitters, one of which is GABA, which calms us down. Once the animals became dependent on alcohol, They developed a tolerance to this anti-anxiety effect, meaning that alcohol did not relieve their anxiety in the same way. There is a nerve growth factor called BDNF, which researchers found was stimulated by alcohol. This growth factor plays a critical role in how much neurons are able to communicate with each other. When BDNF is stimulated, it signals the brain to produce a protein called ARC. This protein is what's responsible for the anti-anxiety effects. So let's back up and I'll explain what all of these things are. So BDNF stands for Brain-Derived Neurotrophic Factor. And ARC is Activity-Regulated Cytoskeleton-Associated Protein. Remember in episode 11, we talked about endorphins and opioid receptors? In this episode, I explain how genetics 
influences your natural blood levels of endorphins? It's the same thing here. Genetics influences your natural levels of BDNF. So if you just happen to have naturally low levels of this growth factor, then you make less ARC and as a result have less dendritic spines on your neurons. These are all things that are associated with anxiety. And some of us just happen to be genetically predisposed to become anxious people. Additionally, epigenetics plays a role here too. High levels of stress, trauma, your childhood, and many other factors all influence how our genes are regulated. So next, the researchers withheld alcohol from the animals and they developed high levels of anxiety. They found that the animals had decreased levels of BDNF arc and less dendritic spines in their amygdala by restoring bdnf and arc to their normal levels which is what alcohol would do for us the anxiety was eliminated there have been a few interesting experiments on bdnf and arc specifically still in the same study researchers temporarily blocked arc production in rats and found that the rats were more anxious and voluntarily drank more alcohol when ARC levels return to normal, anxiety and alcohol consumption decreased. A follow-up study in 2008 conducted by a different team of researchers used animal models for rats that were genetically altered to prefer alcohol and rats that weren't. They found that when comparing these two types of rats, the alcohol-preferring rats had lower levels of BDNF, ARC, and less dendritic spines. The alcohol-preferring rats were also innately anxious. So here's the coolest part. Another study in 2011 saw that ethanol exposure increased BDNF, ARC, and dendritic spines, like we've said a bunch of times already, but they only saw this change in alcohol-preferring rats, not in other rats. So again, this could be a genetic predisposition, the effect of epigenetics, or both. So let me explain that in another way. So not all rats had their brains altered in the same way from alcohol. So the alcohol-preferring rats were very sensitive to alcohol, and when they did have it, it increased their levels of BDNF, ARC, and dendritic spines, and this would make them less anxious. But the non-alcohol-preferring rats did not have changes to these things. So this is really similar to one of the endorphin studies I talked about, so highly recommend you check that episode out if you haven't yet. And what this study found is for people who had naturally low levels of endorphins, Alcohol raised them to above normal levels, and people who had average normal levels of endorphins did not have an effect from alcohol. So this makes us more sensitive to getting a problem too. So if you're someone whose anxiety is not affected by drinking, then you know, drinking is probably whatever for you. But if you're someone who drinking really relaxes you and reduces your anxiety, it's much more likely you're going to drink when you have anxiety. 
So I think the most important thing to know here is, without a doubt, alcohol increases anxiety, whether you are predisposed to it or not. If you struggle with anxiety, you should anticipate having anxiety during your withdrawal period, and I highly recommend discussing this with your doctor. You don't have to suffer, and your doctor can help you adjust to removing alcohol from your life without crippling anxiety. I had alcohol-induced anxiety, but interestingly, When I quit drinking, I didn't struggle with anxiety during my withdrawal period, so it's not something that you're doomed to suffer from. It's just a very likely possibility. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you left me a review on iTunes, and please don't hesitate to reach out if you have a request for a future episode, and I will talk to you guys next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.